tango. Go. Sorry, I'm still absolutely gassed that I've got my own theme tune. But listen, I just want to say a warm welcome to episode two of series three of Learn As I Go. It's a bit of a pinch me moment for me. And also the fact that I've got my very own sponsor, British Triathlon. This year is going to be exciting. I'm taking on a new challenge and I want you to come along with me. I'll give you more details in this episode. But guys, today I am super gassed. I've been trying to get this guy in the building for a long time now. And finally, I've managed to achieve it. We are introducing today Charlie Edwards, the world champion boxer, and his story is going to blow your mind. Yes, he's won the world title, which in itself is just unbelievable, but he's overcome so much. Even winning that title for his mum, who's battled with so many different illnesses over the years. And not only that, he's just completely transformed his whole mindset through very testing and difficult times. And this episode is going to be a massive eye-opener. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to learn another life lesson with learning as I go. Okay, now this is a special moment and well overdue. I've got with me today, the world champion boxer, Mr. Charlie Edwards in the building, mate. Welcome to Learning As I Go. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me down. Thank you for having me on. Um, been watching it from afar, seeing how you've been doing the mental health thing and showing everyone and inspiring people. And it's been very inspiring to me. We met a few years ago and to see how your kind of journey has gone. It's inspiring, man. That's, that's what I really wanted to touch on, really, because... I remember meeting you, it was at Nathan Massey's wedding yeah. and Nathan actually was on series two or series one of the, of the podcast and he's obviously a friend of yours and, and we basically connected, I think it was like the night before the wedding or something yeah. and I remember this moment because I think I was going through a bit of a transition in my life where I was really struggling with my relationship to alcohol. I don't know how it came up but I was like, I really don't want to drink tonight because I can be a bit of a, an idiot when I drink and I remember talking to you about this. Mm. And you took an interest in it, like it was like almost like you related to it. Can you remember that? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, at, especially at that time, I was going through a very tough time myself. And I noticed, like, when we was out and that, and um, we got a chat in and that. And I thought, yeah, do you know what? And that's why coming on here today, I thought back to that that moment what we're speaking about now. And thought you must, you was going through a hard time. And at that time, I was world champion, and I just couldn't deal or cope with it. I, I was lost, you know, like. Mm. I'm a kid who's been living in the gym for years and years and years, just dedicating myself. From a young age, my dad was a pushy parent, always around me. And I, did, I weren't very social. I weren't always out and about. I was in the gym grafting. That's why I become world champion. And then when I become world champion, it was mad. It was like, everyone wants a piece here. Mm. As well, you know, through the Love Island situation and stuff. And I just got dragged from pillar to post. My mental health went through the roof. The pressure got real. It's hard getting there, but it's even harder staying there. Like the walls were closing in on me and the only way I could deal with the anxiety, being out in public, getting recognised, asking for pictures, asking when your next fight is all the time and being messed around by my promoter at the time was, I hit the, hit the alcohol and it was my little, I tried to escape. I don't think many people in my life knew how hard it, how hard it got for me, but I was just running away from my reality. I used to make a really light weight when I won world title at flyweight. It was eight stone. I walk around at like nine and a half stone. Um, so I, I was having to lose all that weight and it just completely killed me, made me depressed, messed all my body up, messed all my hormones up. In, like um, a man's supposed to have testosterone. My testosterone was right low because I was making um, really lightweights and it put me in a very, very deep and dark place. And the only thing was alcohol. As you well know, sometimes you think it's a good idea. It's a great idea to, mm. oh yeah, just forget about it. F everything, do you know mm. what I mean? But it put me really bad. So what, can you remember what year that was when we met at Nathan's wedding? Was it 2019? When did you become champion then? I became champion in 2018, December the 22nd. So it would have been 2019. Yeah, yeah so it was the following year because I'd, I'd won it. I had had all the high, um, I was with one of my ex-partners at the time mm. um, and that destroyed things, becoming somebody to know one overnight and having to deal with newspapers, talking to interviews, going to this event, that event, and it just kind of snowballed into a massive effect for me. And then um, I defended my title in March, quick back-to-back. And then um, I fought in August, I think it was, 
and Nathan and Cara's wedding must have been six weeks before that. Really? Yeah. So basically, so you won the world title in what year was it, sorry? 2018, Christmas, just before Christmas. 2018. So basically, you got to that massive moment in your career mm. and literally, like you said, you blew up kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. But people don't really sometimes understand what it takes to get to that point. In terms of to be like a world champion boxer, yeah. what kind of sacrifices did you have to make to get there? I've had no childhood. Really? As mad as that sounds, from 11 years of age, I started boxing. My dad come from um, a racing background and he used to race for Great Britain all over the world in national um, hot rods. So he knew what it took to kind of get to the top of sport. He said to me, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it properly. And as a kid at 11 years of age, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'd give everything to be this. And then it just got serious. I was in boxing a year and it took over my life. I used to get up before school go for a six-mile run, whether it was pissing down with rain, snow, ice. What, even as a kid? Like my dad that? used to wake me up and kick me out the door. There'd be some days, I must have been about 13, there'd be some days I'd wake up and I really wouldn't do it. I was knackered. I'd, I'd be crying. I don't want to go. He'd force me out the door. Albeit after I got back, I was all right and I was fine. Mm. But he taught me from a young age and installed something into me to make me a successful person. So I've got to be grateful and thank my dad now. But back then, I was a kid and... I, didn't really have a childhood. I weren't allowed out with my mates. I weren't allowed to this house party. Kept me away from the streets. I'd go running in the morning, go school all day, fall asleep in my lessons, and then go to the gym at night. And I'd do that six, seven days a week with no rest days. And we'd just keep on going around the clock. And um, at the age of 15, I got on the GB team and then traveled the world with it. But I had no childhood. My do life has been for boxing and so it still is. Do you think looking back that you actually enjoyed that process? There was times where there was highs, very much so. And um, I learned to be old at a young age. I realized that not everything in life comes easy. I don't want to be doing this all the time. Um, I'm not happy doing this, but I realized, soon realized when I was putting the work in and getting the results, even through misery and depression, I was still getting results and I was getting more successful and going to the next thing and the next thing. And my dream was always as a young kid to become a world champion. So I wouldn't say it was always enjoyable. I wouldn't say it was completely depression and, and dreadful, but my life's been very like all over the place. My dad, I love him to pieces and he meant well and, and it was always meant well for me and my brother. He's also a world champion, so he's done something right. But emotionally, he wasn't there for me. I had to be so dedicated and even when I didn't want to do it, and there was time I didn't want to do it, I would have to do it because I was scared of my dad. Mm. He was a pushy parent. We was on a um, program called Trophy Kids on Channel 4 years and years ago, and I was touted to go on to be a very successful sportsman, which, thank God, I, I, I did achieve that. Mm. And I was the only one out of the whole group, but that was at 14 years of age, you know? Mm. So I've had a lot of pressure on me mm. from kid to adult to now mm. and forever along how this career goes. But I had to go through all that because I wouldn't have known what it would have took to become a world well, champion. Well, that's the question I ask myself all the time, Charlie. Like, even just in business, right? You talked about the highs. And I want to achieve great things. Mm. I say to myself, I want to be, I don't know, a multimillionaire businessman. I want to have this amazing life. And when people say to me, Scott, like, we don't see you anymore. Like, you don't spend mm. time with your family sometimes. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm on a mission. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I need to make sacrifices. Mm. And I'm constantly torn between, is that all worth it? Because you've talked about getting to that point, and yes, it's amazing. You get all this recognition. I, because I thrive off validation. Yeah. Sometimes I ask myself, what does success actually mean to me? Mm. Because I feel like I want all these things, but do I? Or is it just what society defines as success? Yeah. As, as success? Like, for example, social media, like you see everyone living this lavish lifestyle. Mm. But actually, I'm quite happy just walking around Chio yeah. Village with my dog. Yeah. I, I live quite a simple life most of the time. Mm. So why do I need to go and chase all these big goals? Like, now that you've been at the top, mm. Would you look back on your life and actually say to yourself, it was worth it? Or would you actually probably more think, you know what, I, want my I would like to have my childhood back? Where I'm at now and the mindset I have now and the understanding I have of life now, I wouldn't change any of it. The childhood, yeah, I missed out on. But moving forward and when, when my career comes to an end and the investments, the, the career I've had, um, the money I've earned, I can then start my life. So I've done it in a reverse way mm. where I feel like I've dedicated the younger years of my life and I'll be able to relive the childhood through my daughter when I do retire. But it's funny you say that because we all do. We all do chase like 
success and we always think success is a destination and for me going through it and realizing it obviously I won a lot all through my career I was a poster boy going to the 2012 Olympics which I failed and that that hurt me and for the home Olympics so you went to the Olympics as well I, I didn't go to the Olympics right. I was I was touted um me and AJ was on traveling the world together so you traveled the world with Anthony Joshua yeah we used to share rooms no way yeah little single beds next to wow. each other and it's mad because of the mindset thing we both watched the DVD, The Secret, together. Right. And it's no wonder why life has gone that way because we adapted that from such a young years of like 18, 19, mm. I was, and he was a few years older than me. Talk um, to me about that. What did you adopt? Well, if you've seen The Secret and the, the power of um, the law of attraction, um, about the mindsets, about um, you've got to ask, believe, to receive. Um, obviously, you've got to put in the work in, but when you're putting the work in, the um, universe is going to serve you in, in many ways. And just because it's not there right in front of you at this time, if you're ticking off every single box that you need to, it's going to come at some point. Time mm. is the essence. And um, I kind of realized through my younger years of winning like the schoolboy Europeans and championships and that, that I was doing that. I was doing this visualization process. I would always go to bed visualizing things. I still do it today, visualize things. And big parts of my life, when I've what I have visualized has actually come true mm. I've also had many dreams where things have actually come true um winning the world title was one a dream that I fell into a visualization deep sleep dream state of mind and it planned out the way I dreamt it the first world title I had when I got knocked out of um, a guy called John Real Casemiro in just my ninth fight as professional I three weeks before that fight had the dream what happened to me in that in that fight and I, I didn't speak it out to anyone or talk it out to anyone because in the dream I got done wow. and then it, it, it foreplayed into my life. So you reckon that you actually went into that fight, the biggest fight of your life, almost with a lack of confidence because of what you'd seen basically? It, it weren't a lack of confidence for that. I really thought in my heart, my soul, my head, um, spiritually, that I was going to do it. I was very naive looking back because mm. I was only 22 at the time and I was a real kid mm. back then. I was a late developer and I was in against a fully grown man who was a big knockout. But in my head at that time, I thought I could do it. And then when I had that dream, I just was like, oh, it's just, that's just me mm. having doubts. Da, 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 da. But it did foreplay into my life and many times that I've visualized things that have attracted to me and I've always been okay. I've always been prosperous um, through, through the darkest of times. I've always had belief, trust and faith what's going to come. And it always comes back to me. Mm. So I'm a big believer in the law of attraction and secret. But when we, me and AJ watched that and then in that, that same week when we was in the European elite world championships, I was going to the bath every night to do my little sweat out because we have to make weight. Well, I did, he didn't. And I was always visualizing just winning the bronze medal, winning the bronze medal. And I won a bronze medal that week. And it, it was just like, whoa, I've, I've landed on something here. So I'm a big believer in it. So but you can tell that you're quite a deep thinker. And I think that's going back to when we first met. It's almost like you could see me like for who I actually was. Because mm. I do show a level of vulnerability now. And I'm quite open about things. But back then I was kind of exploring that. I was like, I remember we were going out on this night out and I really didn't want to drink. Mm. I really didn't want to drink, but I felt, I felt if I didn't drink, I was going to be the boring one. Yeah. I felt like I was going to let the boys down. And you were almost like, chill, Scott. Like, you don't need to be that guy. And then I think that night we went out and I think you saw yeah. the Scotty special <laughs> and you actually saw me switch. Yeah. And I think you almost felt a little bit sorry for me because you could kind of relate to what I was struggling with. I'll, I'll be real, like... um I did feel sorry for you, obviously, because I, I, I watched you on Love Island because I was a fan of Love Island and I watched you. Obviously, looking from the outside perspective, you went on Love Island, you got all this, all this fame chucked out of nowhere, Come, everyone wanted a piece here. And I think this must have been a year or two after. Yeah, yeah. Now I know, things die down. Mm. The anxiety kicks up and, it, and, it, and it, it feels like it's crucifying you. And the only way to deal with that is to have a drink. Mm. And from someone who like... You, you, I remember at the time you said, oh, I was here, they invited me down, we, they put it all on. And then we walked in there and they tricked you like you was a nobody. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then I could see that hurt you. Mm. And I get it because that's what's happened to me over these last few years where mm. I'm at with my career. And um, alcohol is a way to numb yourself. And 
let's be real like we all all suffer our own insecurities like i'm i suffer my insecurities and when like you say we all want to prove ourselves we all want to chase this next win and that it, i think it does come from insecurities because mm. we want to prove ourselves to everyone else mm. where when we take that away and strip ourselves back from that no one else actually matters because well, that, you see it when you're high everyone yeah. wants you when you're low no one wants you but then you come high again and everyone wants you again and mm. going through that process it makes you realize mm. what's real and what's not well that's what i mean like do i want all these things for everybody else or for myself mm. that's a question and that's I a ask. question you have to yeah. look yourself in the mirror with and come to terms with yeah and i think sometimes like even my relationship with, with alcohol mm. it stemmed from being a party boy a host mm. of yeah. um, nightclub events that's what i used to do for a living yeah. and i felt like to be the ultimate host and party boy mm. Um, I had to become a character. Yeah. I had to become the life and soul of the party. When yeah. really, in actual fact, people actually preferred me as I am. And mm. that's why now I've gone back to being sober again because yeah. I couldn't find that balance. I couldn't find that, that happy point. And like you said, it was I was drinking for the wrong reasons mm. or for anybody who drinks because they, want, they like the taste of alcohol yeah. or anything like that. But for me, I was drinking to become someone else, to, to kind of overcome my insecurities, like yeah. you said. But for me, like, it's kind of really interesting to hear that Someone like yourself, you just like obviously you had that massive success becoming world champion. You probably reached the ultimate goal for any boxer, right? Mm. But for then you for you to be talking about how you were then struggling with your relationship to alcohol, like it seems so far apart from the world champion boxer, someone who drinks. And I think yeah. I've heard about that a lot with a lot of boxers who've yeah. reached the pinnacle that they they often um, struggle with uh, drink and drugs. Like yeah. talk to me about that. I I really believe like it makes me laugh now because when I was coming up through through my career. And the first, my first world title fight in my ninth fight, I lost. And after that, I went into a really dark time where I was having like confidence issues. Um, I fought in the O2 in front of a packed out arena. I got beat in my ninth fight against someone who was a two-weight world champion, a severe puncher. And I just felt ashamed, that ashamed that I had nothing to lose going into the fight. I used to hide myself away. I would not go into no social circles at all just hide myself away just to deal with the insecurities um but with boxing and and drinking drugs i think it it stems from in boxing it's life is not balanced like any successful person if you want to become the top of something it's not balanced at all you've got to weigh up your options and with boxers when they get to the top and they realize i used to think looking as a kid once i become a world champion i've smashed it i've achieved everything i've ever dreamed of and that is happiness. Mm. As soon as I got to that world title and I won that world title, after all the celebrations and Christmas all went and the party kind of stopped, like the celebrations, then I went back to my my flat at the time. I was in Sheffield and just in a little two-bed rental flat, yeah. Went there, belt in the trophy cabinet, looking up there, just belt my girlfriend at the time because of all the madness. I sat there. I was in training camp again. I was just sitting there just, where's everyone? Phone stopped ringing. No, one, no one's asked. Looking up there and I was thinking, it hit me all of a sudden. I remember looking up in the, at the belt and just saying, this is shit, this. In my head, this isn't what it, it's cut out to be. This is... Is that because it, you sacrificed? This is sad. I was on my own. Mm. On my own, no one around, lonely, sitting there. And I was like, if this is what it brings, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. Like, what the fuck is this? That's what I was going through in my head. I then went and defended it again. And then the next time... But every time after I become world champion and I thought I'd reached a goal and it was the end goal, that's why I lost my head. I think I was partying a bit more, drinking alcohol a bit more. Not, I'm not talking all the time, but like it was either all training or nothing. There was no grey area in between. It was like 100% dedicated or completely not. Mm. And um, the pressure got too real. I weren't happy in my whole life. Uh, there was no balance. I felt lonely success weren't what it cut out to be and it just gradually got worse after my next defense gradually got worse with a party and then I was supposed to fight on a set day I was training my ass off for it and I was so excited that it was going to be this day then all of a sudden that show got pulled and when you're like anything when you're striving working hard to something and you're excited about it and then it gets taken away from you I went from here to there mm. And then I was like telling myself I couldn't make the weight really anymore. I was making two ridiculously low weights where it was putting my health at risk. But the one thing that really stands out there from what you're saying is, and I can kind of draw a correlation here to, to what I'm chasing in business. Like you achieved the ultimate accolade in boxing mm. and you had that belt in your house. Yeah. 
you pretty much were saying that the sacrifice that it took to get you to that point yeah. probably wasn't worth it mm. in, in actual fact. And that's yeah. the question I think a lot of people um, need to ask themselves when, when they're trying to chase big goals and stuff. Because yeah. you said before, like the best people who get to a certain point, they don't seem to have balance. They don't seem, they seem to have make a lot of sacrifices mm. to get to that point. And that's the question because I'm like, some people go, Scott, just you just have got to a balance where I'm thinking if I want to be 1% of the world when I don't even know if I do want to be 1% mm. of the world to achieve this mm. massive success then I'm going to have to sacrifice stuff but then if you actually look at the most successful people in the world yeah. some of them a lot of them are probably some of the most the loneliest, un- unhappiest. Un- loneliest unhappiest people yeah. ever so that's why I'm getting to the point now where I'm actually asking myself going it's got to be more about the journey and it's so easy to say that it is no it's true the journey is mm. where it all lies no matter how hard and tough and I've realised that where I'm at now and what I'm going through now and this last year of like getting really quiet in the boxing world but still grafting my ass off because I know what's to come the journey is everything like it's a song in it the journey is everything mm-hmm. there ain't a destination and the journey is everything and that that is so true and when you do put this stress on the end goal and that's it that's happiness that's success I think that's where we fail I learned it the hard way where I thought that and then I had to learn on the job why well, this ain't what it's cut out to be. Where if we plan and program, once we hit that, then what? And have another goal past that. I've read a book called Relentless. I'm not sure if you read it from Tim Gro- Grover. I've about it, yeah. And it gives me goosebumps thinking like <laughs> about the book. Um, that made me realise that I'm normal and I'm not this weirdo who's caught in his own head all the time chasing something and wanting to be the one percent or the 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 top of the top and i always think you, know, you get these mad thoughts in your head and i just think is there something wrong with me why am i like this like why can't i just be normal and that that book explains it with michael jordan the way he was there's always more when you win and you achieve something that isn't where it ends there's a next level to go to and if you've got that kind of addiction mentality of wanting to win day in day out the success is just success it doesn't go past that like you for me there isn't no reason of a successful person a successful person is someone who wins and wins again and wins again and keeps continuing to progress in life that's ah. in all areas. Ah, so you say basically that success is progression. Yeah. On, on a daily basis. Definitely. And I think that's success really... is not, like they say, oh, what's it take to be successful? Or what is success? Mate, success is not nothing. Success is the byproduct of winning. And we win every day in our lives, whether that's little things, whether that's in relationships with our, our loved ones, whether we put in time and energy into something that we're trying to progress, that's a win. So to be happy, I believe to be successful is to keep winning on the daily, keep 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 coming better, even mm. better. That's what my mentality is. But then always that's, become that's better. The question, Charlie, because I think I'm a little bit like you, where everything I, I've achieved, I've achieved through putting pressure on myself, mm. and I don't necessarily think it comes from a place of passion. Sometimes where I feel like what I'm trying to find now is I, I'm really driven, mm. really driven, but I'm driven by. I think a lot of the time, external validation. Mm. I'm driven by the need to prove myself. And what I'm trying to get to is the point where I'm driven from a place of passion mm. and for a love and a love of what I do. And I actually watched a video of you recently and it was funny, you ended the video and you went, I'm happy right now. A happy boxer is a dangerous boxer. Yeah. And I went, that's interesting because if you're loving what you do, yeah. that's when the success unfolds. I had the pleasure of sitting down with a billionaire not long ago and he walks in and you can just tell that he just loves business. Yeah. He loves the game of business. He loves the deal. He loves, I don't love that element of business. I don't yeah. love talking about money. So I, that part of it doesn't mm. like, it doesn't make me tick where I get why he's got to where he's got mm. to. You can see he's actually genuinely yeah. happy. Like he just loves the deal. Yeah. He loves that part of it. The hustle and, bustle. And, and you see like people, I don't know, you look at like Messi as a football. You can just tell like, he got to where he is because he just, <laughs> he looks like he's playing on, at home with his, on the playground. Do you know what I mean? The way he mm. plays and everything else. So I want to get to the point where I'm doing stuff that I love. I'm doing everything I do from a place of passion and yeah. a love for what I do. Yeah. And would you say that you're back to that point now? Because obviously I know you finished boxing. Mm. You kind of lost the love of boxing for a while. Talk me about that bit and how you've got back to it now. Yeah. Um, so off the back of all that mad situation of like losing my head, hitting the drink, um, not being able to cope with the, what comes with being world champion, because um, you don't get taught that 
on the way up. No one mm. gives you advice. This is what be careful of. I felt like I love with it. I just felt like there was no passion. I was like, fuck this, I can't be asked of it anymore. Like I've given my whole life to it. I think it's time to now move on to something else. In my head, I was ready. I was ready to walk away. I just had had my newborn daughter, Sophia. Um, and that was a lot of stress and a lot of change of life, trying mm. to juggle a baby and do all that and be a new dad and train and put pressure on myself to get back to the top. And I was just like to my missus one day, I was like, let's let's just, I, I don't know if I want this anymore. Let's fuck this off. I'm, let's move away. Let's get in the sun. We met in Marbella in like a training camp up in Estepona ways. And I was just like, let's go out and like, I've made some good money. I've got good investments. Let's go and set our life up over, over in a sunny destination and bring our daughter up in a place where we want to live. So, so you went over to Portugal, right? In Portugal, yeah. So you got over to Portugal, right? Yeah. You, you moved your whole life over yeah. there with your is it your wife, Christine. My wife, Christine. Yeah. yeah and uh, who was who? Who I need to give props to was my guardian, saviour, like sent from God. I, I do highly believe that. Um, when I had lost, not I didn't lose my world title, but when I got hit on the floor and got the controversy, I went off on a mad one. I'm not proud of this. I must have been about sober for about a week in a whole month like so three weeks completely and then I looked myself in the mirror and I thought wow Charlie sort yourself out now I was I just didn't like the look of myself I, it was like I woke up and um I went to a training camp over in Spain and she was there and we met there on this on this hill the only two left on there she was going back a few days after hers and I was going back a few days after my mates we met linked up and she told me to my face everything I needed, like a slap in the face, like a wake up call. Why are you acting like this? Why are you behaving like this? You're not that guy. Do you know what I mean? Well, I was got um, tingles and, then. Yeah. Because and, and from that day, she's got me, got me back to the person I am now. Um, she was my saving grace. But it's funny when you actually make that first step to kind of looking after you and, and doing those things that you know are right. Doors open. Doors open, people come into your life. Like a lot of people, I remember yeah. when I stopped drinking for the first time and I had to break away from the Scotty special. I used to think people mm. are not going to want to be my friend mm. anymore. And my mates at the time were like, what are you doing? Yeah. But I quickly lent into this new life and loads of other like new people and people have actually cared about me. And yeah. like, like you said, so many different opportunities kind of came my way, like in terms Definitely. of even like I've got a new wellness brand now. I've gone from literally being a party boy to mm. hosting walks in the countryside with and food thoughts. So it's crazy how, mm. all right, you went to that dark moment, but it led you to your future wife and, and a beautiful daughter. Life's full of decisions and one decision can change your whole life. If I wanted to make a decision now to change my whole life, I could make that. And it would change my life in a massive way. But anything, anyone out there who is struggling with time, just make that decision for a positive way. Like, think about it. Do you know what I mean? You're one decision away from changing whatever the future hasn't told you. That, that's so funny, Joe, because I always say it was one decision when I said, I looked myself in the mirror and I went, right, this time I'm doing it. I'm going 12 months old when I meant it. There was mm. so, and I, I relate to my mum as well mm. because my mum like, drank all her life, like for 30 odd years, whatever. And as soon as she just said, right, I'm going to quit drinking, it's like almost like it was a breeze for her. Mm. And I said, how have you done this? And she said, it's just a mindset. This time yeah. she meant it. Yeah. And I know that people are going to find it really hard to believe, but I'm so glad you've said that because it is a mindset thing in terms of a level of belief and, and, and a decision. But the, a, you have a decision to make it for yourself. Exactly for you. Not you can't, for no one else. Exactly. It has to be for you and solely you. It's with enormous pride that I welcome British Triathlon as my brand new official sponsor for Series 3 of Learning As I Go. For anyone who follows me and the podcast, you will know that I'm super passionate about self-development and I'm always looking for new ways to push myself out of my comfort zone, whether that be in business, fitness, or just my wellness journey in general. This year, I was looking for a new challenge that would push me out of my comfort zone, but also help you, if you want to, to come along on the journey with me too. So I'm going to be doing a sprint triathlon. A triathlon combines the skills of swimming, cycling, and running. There are different versions and distances, but I've decided to focus on the sprint event. This is a really nice entry level into the sport, and I feel it will allow me to perfect the skills in each field to then maybe progress to do the full triathlon next year. It's a 750 meter swim, followed by a 20K bike ride, finished off by a 5K run. I mean, I've not been swimming in years and I've never even been on a road bike, so this is definitely going to be something different. But I would love for you to come on this journey with me. I sign up to the event I'm taking part in July in Sunderland. I've got various discounts and offers available for you if this is something you fancy doing. 
we can literally learn as we go together and complete the race in July. How cool would that be? Each episode, I'll be giving you updates on the journey and sharing with you any top training tips I've learned along the way. If you are up for joining me, you can find out more by clicking the link in this podcast episode notes and use my code LEARNING25 and that will give you £25 off the sprint distance race. British Triathlon will get you all the details you need alongside a training pack and I'll even be hosting a monthly Zoom where we can jump on and check in on each other's progress. Now this is going to be very special and I'm so proud to have such a special sponsor on board for the podcast. Roll on Series 3. Then yeah, in Portugal, so going so, back to that, with I went over there. In my head, I was like, no, nah, I'm done with boxing. Like and when I was out there looking at all these properties with my, my missus, I was like, I just want to announce it because I was being quiet off social media. You know, like when you're when you're flying, everyone's on you, everyone's asking you questions. What when you next fight and when this? I'm like, I'm sick and tired of this. I'm just going to announce it. I've retired. And my missus went, whoa, 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 no, no, don't don't do that. You just 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 let yourself settle. Just take your time with it. You don't need to tell announce anything to anyone. When we're settled, then make that decision. So I was like, okay, I listened to her. Like, um, I listened to her. And, I, and then once we had got the house, once it had settled in the house, we were sitting in the like, little rental apartment, just out on the balcony. And I was just sitting there and I was like a bit anxious back and forth in my mind. I'd started training again, started going for runs, looking after myself rather than just like living a easy going life and I was just sitting on the balcony twiddling my thumbs and I was like babe you're gonna hate me you know she was like what like that, looked at me and I just went I've got too much too much to give in this sport of boxing I can win another world title looking at all these people doing it looking at my brother winning a world title I'm like I've got like a few years left in me and she looked at me and smiled and she, she just started laughing at me she goes I knew you was going to come round to this. I just give you your time. I knew this was coming. Amazing. And it was a week after we had just bought our house and we was ready to move into it. And I was like, looks like I'm back off to England then. Really? <laughs> and she just laughed at me. And my head was saying, fuck it off. You're unhappy, you're miserable. You don't need to do this no more. But my heart weren't letting go of it. But my missus being there for me, it brought me the love and the passion, the hunger back for me. I always pushed through it to become world champion through the hardship of my mum being ill and all her, her illness and touch and go. But this time I'm doing it for me. I think it comes back to um, potential. I feel like when people ask me recently, what's going to make me happy? I feel like the answer to that question is just knowing that when I get to the age of 70 and I look back on my life that I reached my potential and I didn't mm. waste the gifts that I've been given. Yeah. And it sounds like you know you've got a gift. Mm. And you want to do it for you this time. You don't want to do it for everyone else. And it's that itch, it's that, that potential that you know that you can fulfill. It, yeah, most definitely. It's that hunger, that burning desire. And going back to my mum, like, she's still alive today. She shouldn't be. Let's but, talk about your mum, mate, because I really I wanted to get to this. Mm. But obviously, the first time you won your, mm. your world title, you dedicated that win to yeah. your mum. And yeah. your mum at the time was going through cancer, mm. brain surgery. Mm. And there was a massive moment. I even remember this in, yeah. in the press at the time, yeah. not even as a boxing fan, but yeah. just the story well, that's around That's what kind it. of made me um, be really known, to mm. be honest. It was obviously my boxing, but it was a special, unique moment of giving my mum the title, dedicating it. And it all come out around the time when I won it. So that's what made me really become somebody, not just to the boxing people and the boxing world. It's a small world, but to more general public about... My mum suffered badly, but it was going on a long time before that. So I, I, I won my debut fight, my mum come. The first fight she'd ever been to, she never come to any of the amateur fights because she hates, hated boxing, she didn't like us boxing. My ever first fight, she watched on a VHR and she cried her eyes out. So we was like, you're not coming, mm. <laughs> we're not having that. And she didn't want to. My first pro fight she come watched. And then I think it was four weeks before my second pro fight, um, she was having treatment because she had breast cancer. It was in our family. And she opted for radiotherapy instead of um, chemo. Because mum was a bit vain. She didn't want to lose her hair, bless her. So we just all, all agreed to it. At first, she didn't want any treatment. Her mum died from treatment and she didn't want to go down there. But us as kids, we kind of pushed her for it because we wanted our mum around. Maybe looking back, it was a bad decision we made. And we've had to live with that, which has been tough in itself. 
then they hit with radiotherapy and she has a very, very rare case, a special case of, um, it's called cavernoma in the brain, uh, which like, is in the brain stem. And reality is, if you've got one of them, if you hit radiotherapy to it, it turns into a brain tumor and it bleed on the brain. It's like, it's like a, it, it goes bang sort of thing. And then from, I remember being in the gym training, getting a call from my mum's um, partner at the time. And he was like, your mum's got a brain tumour, da, 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 bleed on the brain. And I rushed straight to the um, the hospital and from there it was just like, we only found out that it was a radiotherapy months after, that's what caused it. But um, it it come a bleed in the brain and we had to rush her from one hospital to the next. Um, it seems like all a blur now, but um, then all of a sudden she had to go down for this major operation and it was... 50-50 whether she's going to come back or not so it was like a big whirlwind this was four weeks before my second professional fight up and down the hospital up and down the hospital um didn't really know where to put myself was really numb to it and yeah she went down and before she went down to that thing I remember saying to her I was just like she pulled me in close because we went in one-on-one and I went in on my own and she pulled me in close she goes whatever happens to me she's when she could speak whatever happens to me just don't give up on your boxing I can still remember it and it chokes me up now and I was just like to her like mum honestly I, I said I, I swear to God I'll win a world title for you it was just like a mad special moment that we shared before she went down and then when she come back up she was in an like an induced coma and it's been a very emotional kind of wow. journey and thing. people don't understand it you see on the social media things and it's way way before me winning the world title and giving it to her the years and years of turmoil back and forward brain operations oh she's got another bleeding vein we have to go back into intensive care and then after that I did get my world title shot that's why I was so hungry and determined to get it as quick as I could who fights for a world title in their ninth fight it's not heard of I was persistent pushing it pushing it and when it come up I just took it with both hands because I didn't know how long my mum had left I didn't know how what the world or God had in plan for her and um, I, I got beat I felt like I let everyone down I felt so bad I felt like I was like promising that I was going to bring this belt to her and I got beat it got stopped felt like my whole world had turned upside down and then after that she was getting better she was going through rehab she could talk a little bit by a little she can talk a little bit now she can't have a proper full open conversation mm. and she never will be the same but she is smiling that's all that matters now but after that, the world title thing, I got my head back in the game, fell off again, went away, lost my head, went IB for fucking taking drugs. Mm. Never took drugs in all my life. Mm. And not clever. Would never tell anyone to do it, never do it again. Mm. Lost my head because um, I couldn't cope with it. The defeat, the my mum being ill. I just wanted to escape life. And um, not being able to give her what I promised her. So I let myself down on a promise as well. Mm. And then after I finally got round there, I went back and I went to fight for the British title up in Scotland. Went all the way up to Scotland, fought a Scottish fighter in his own backyard. Mum was getting better, won the British title. And the next day, got to the airport, ready to go home. I was supposed to be going to Rome after that for a little holiday with the belt buzzing. Phone call, your mum's back in intensive care. At the airport, got on the plane straight back with my British title, just winning the highs the night before, on the plane, all the way home, straight in intensive care. She's sitting there, can't speak, tube in her mouth, has to go down again for another operation in the morning. I was ready to say bye, and I don't like to say it, but I was praying. My mum's biggest fear was to end up disabled and be how she is now. And I prayed to God that day, and I was like, just please put her at rest. But she carried on fighting, and she fought through that. And the real fighter in our family is my mum, so no wonder me and my brother can go out and win world titles. We're doing the easy job. She's fought and fought again when she should not be here today, you know? Mm. And then that pushed me and drove me into going on to them win the world title. And when I did give it to her, it meant the world to me. Wow, Charlie, It's man. a fucked story, you've man. It's been this tough, been a tough it, life, you, mate. You've not had it easy, no. mate. You've not had it easy. And I feel like you needed to talk about that, mate, because it's blown me away, mate. I mean, to basically deal with all the pressure of being at the level you're at in terms of your career but then having to deal with that at home mate like it's inspiring but I also feel for you man like on a, on a different level like because I've never had to go through 
something as deep as that in my personal life. And one thing I've, I've took from that though is sometimes our darkest moments can be our most defining moments in terms of, it sounds like, I don't know if I'm right or wrong here, like all this pain that you've got within you, you kind of channeled that into channeled your boxing in the at, right way. at some points. Whereas this time around where, you, where you're up to now, it seems like it's not coming from a place of pain, like wanting to get back into boxing. It's coming from a place of, it's your happy place. You've almost fallen in it love is, with it again. It, yeah, like I, I feel like coming into this stage of my career now, after getting through all the dark time, after the battling through the confidence issues, battling through thinking I'm worthless, thinking I'm a nobody, thinking I'm shit, I'm getting old, I'm done, mm. to then realising and having the right people and the right team around me to, to bring that potential back out of me, it excites me. And this is for me now. This is the hardship, the pain that I've had to put through the years, through my mum, through the not having a childhood, having a pushy parent, the toxicity in their relationship and that. It's all been out of trauma. And the only way to channel my energy was to push it into something that was positive, which was boxing. I could have easily looked when my mum thing. If I didn't take that fight, where could I have been? I could have been down the pub pissing it up and look completely it's lost my like whole it, life it almost saved your life in it a way, saved boxing, my life in, in a way. it has saved my life and it's, it's cliche because yeah. everyone says it but it has saved my life really really has and that like but it's such a weird relationship to boxing because it sounds like this time you've not got your pushy dad on your case obviously i know your mum's not in the best place mm. but it's, it seems like you've kind of yeah. come to terms with that that situation mm. now and like you said you're just trying to f fall in love with with the uh, sport I've, again it's not even trying. I am in love with the sport. Yeah. Like this sport, and as I've got older and my my brain's developed, and I've got my own family now. I've got my wife. Um, I'm set up like in my home and everything. And like life's good, man. Life's mm. great. And this is my passion. And this is my love. And looking back, this is the thing that saved me. And mm. this calling is gonna go a long way. And I do really believe. And I say this with my chest, and I say this with my heart and my spirit and soul that um, I can potentially be, I will be one of the best fighters that come out of Britain. And that's a big statement. I'm already a world champion. My goal is to win a world champion now at Bantamweight, move up super Bantamweight. And in my later years, even push to featherweight. And if I was to win four world titles, that sets me as one of the greatest. And I do believe that's my calling. And that's why it's brought my hunger, determination, love and everything back for it because I've, battled through the lowest of lows and the mm -hmm. darkest of times and on the other side of that it's it's only good and this time getting to the top again yeah it might be harder but once I'm at that top the next stage past that I've already got my goals set out I've already got what I know what it takes to be at the top I know the madness it brings but I'm ready and I'm experiencing that now and I've got my next goals already set where I want to go it's I mad. can go as far as I want to go. The only one that will defeat me is me and up here. It's, it's mad when you say it, right? Because I always say successful people have a, a, an insane sense of self-belief, right? But when you say it, you don't say it with a level of... Sometimes it's almost delusional, mm -hmm. like the level of self-belief that people have. But because you've been there, you've done it. When you're saying it, it's almost like you're looking at it, you're saying it, you're going, Jesus, this is going to be tough. <laughs> like yeah. you're very aware of what it's going to take to get there. But I believe you when you and say it because it's almost like you're not being unrealistic. You're like, I know what it's going to take. Mm. The sacrifice is going to take to get there, but I'm going to get there regardless. And I think I really respect that about you in terms of that self-belief you've got in yourself, but from a, a level of um, realism as mm. well, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah, it's my life. I believe it's a calling. I sacrifice and tick off every single box. Like I've set up my family life over in Portugal. When I'm here in England, it's just hard work. I graft my ass off all the time. I'm away from my daughter. I'm missing out on valuable time with her, which she will understand one day. But then in between fights, I get so much time with them. So mm. I'm, making, I'm putting everything in the right areas that I know that if I don't achieve it, which I don't believe will happen, I know I've given everything to achieve it. I'll be able to be happy and smile and say okay well it weren't meant to be but there will be no regrets and it sounds like you've got a really strong support system now with your family and, and, and your beautiful daughter but let's talk about your brother as well mm. so your brother's um, am I right is, is he world champion he's now? world champion at this moment yeah 
Right. Yeah, so, so he's IBF flyweight world champion, so the weight that I used to be. Yeah, so a few people, when I, when I mentioned you coming on as well, they were talking mm. about your brother, and mm. he's he's kind of a, a little bit different to you. Apparently, he's a little bit he's a little bit out there. Um, a bit <laughs> Say of con- the least. <laughs> a, bit of controver- a bit controversial. I did, I did some homework on him. But, like, what's your relationship like with with Sonny? I don't actually know myself. Yeah. I'm, I'm, am I right in hearing that there's been a bit of tension between you and him? Yeah, um... It's, it's, I'm, it's a I'm, big one. Um, how do I approach this? And by the way, you told someone who's got two brothers. Yeah, so right? you get it. So you I get, get it more it. than anyone. I get it. Me and my brother, um, it's mad because if you ask anyone, like they wouldn't even, other than we look a bit similar, they wouldn't say that we're brothers. We're so chalk and cheese. We're just completely different people. He's a live wire, right? Uh, he's a live wire, yeah. yeah. He's a, he is a live wire. Um, me and my brother's relationship, we're not the closest anymore. Mm. Um, got a lot of love for him. Would do anything for him. Um, we've had sticky situations along the way. We've had fallouts and things haven't sit right with me, how he behaves or what he's done. Mm. And I think I, I'm not perfect. There's probably situations and things what he doesn't like about me. But we support each other through thick and thin. We always want each other to do well and we always want each other to win. Um, Are you proud of him when, when, I'm you, very proud when of you hear him. that he's world champion? Does, oh. it, does it give you like that yeah, feeling? Yeah, proud of him. Do you know what? It gives me inspiration. He's my younger brother, mm. but he inspires me. Mm. Um, and I learn and watch him and learn things from him. And he has taught me valuable lessons along the way, just as I have him. I was going to say, he must have learned so much from you. You must have inspired him. Definitely. We, we've both inspired each other along the way. And I'm not an ego person just because I'm older. I would never say he hasn't inspired me because he's inspired me massively. But yeah, we, we lived and breathed a life together as kids, you know. We shared room together mm. all the way growing up for a thing. We lived and breathed a life. That's annoying. We had, yeah, <laughs> I know what yeah, it's like. Definitely. <laughs> we, we had um, the same, same upbringing, same father. Mm. But our father treated us different. Mm. Sonny was always the one who, oh, he's, he's talented. He's the clever one. He went grammar school. Um, he picked things up very quickly. He was naturally gifted, naturally talented, where he would be always said oh yeah you'll get it easy you'll do this easy like so that's why i think we are very short and cheese where me he was like oh yeah he's not the brightest spark in the book but yeah you just got to work hard you got a thing and when it come to training it was like you're not that sunny's more talented than you but you work harder what's the age difference three years okay so it was like um my dad played us off each other the whole way through so it's always been a competition um it's worked because we're both world champions but we've been played off for one another and times where he would make me feel like shit make him feel like great and other way round. so it's like we've got a lot of love for each other but we've got that competitive side you know we're in the same sport we're around the same weight divisions and we always want to one-up each other mm. and that's good it is good um but it does it affect our personal relationship probably in mm. the sense because you're always constantly getting compared to each other yeah always compared always constantly battling off each other we always want to prove, like, in his head, he thinks he's better than me. In my head, I know I'm better than him. And it's just one of them things. It's just... Um, Sibling what, rivalry, oh, At the end of the day, once all said and done, we'll probably be closer than we've ever been. Yeah, yeah. But we're in this battle to outdo each other. And that's all from our childhood, all from our dad. And who knows? Like, one day we might have to just whack the gloves on, earn millions. And, I was going to say, who's, and, who's winning? Uh, oh, I, I believe I'll win. <laughs> and whoever wins, whoever wins, and ride out on the sunset. Two, two world champions. Two, yeah, that's bad. You know what I mean? But, but, uh, you know what, the best one thing wins. I could tell, though, and, and I think it's really important, is like you can still feel the love. Oh, it, like, and I amazing. get it. And like I've had times with my brothers where me and my big brother Ryan, we'd not spoke for six months mm. at one point, and he was very, very stubborn, and he can mm. like, cut you off for a while. Yeah. And then, because he loves me, he's obsessed with me and Adam, like, mm. as his little brothers. Yeah. Like, he did it with me once and I didn't speak to him for six months and then ever since then we've never done it again. Yeah. And like if we do have an argument now, we have to nip it in the bud yeah. very quickly because it like we do love each other and we don't want it to kind of Escalate. go on for too long. But I get where you guys are. It's, you're in a bit of a, a weird space right now mm. where you are being compared. It's competitive. But although we're not the closest we've ever been, like we still get on. I've got to be grateful for him and I suppose he will probably be grateful for me and, and um, we've pushed each other. Our biggest battles have been with ourselves obviously but against each other so if we're going out and battling to see who's going to be the better brother in the end we're pushing each other on to higher heights than we could ever have imagined of but let's talk about that pushing element because you talk about your dad a lot in in this conversation and 
I can tell there's respect there for what he's kind of achieved with you mm. boys, especially. But there's also a level of like resentment and stuff like. And listen, I I love my dad, uh, God rest his soul, but he wasn't perfect. No. Um, we didn't see him for six years at one point, mm. but I loved him to bits and and I got it. But I, I also think I've seen my brothers now; they're both incredible dads. It's almost like they had to have my dad as a dad in a way to become the dads that they are today. Yeah. Do you feel like you've learned in a way how? To be a good dad, basically. Yeah, I, I, I do believe that. I feel like from a young age, I've always been a deep thinker, trying to question life, trying to question everything. Why is it like this? As I've got older and I look back, especially now I look back and realise like what things he did right and what things I'm very grateful for and what things he did wrong. And I'll try and implement that into my daughter's life for the best version of me as a father that I can be for her. And I'm not a perfect human being. My dad is not a perfect human being, but it all comes from love. I can see that. It all stemmed from love. And um, he had no bad bone in his body, really in his own mind. So I don't discredit or shame him in any way because none of us are perfect. We're all humans. Mm. And we see things and think, and we're not always right. So I will use what he implemented into me in different ways for my daughter's upbringing but I will also change things to how I didn't feel that it was right by me as a kid mm. but life's a journey yeah. eh? I just want to say thank you mate for, for being so honest mm. and open about your story your journey because I think it'll, it'll inspire a lot of people and I know it's inspired me mate because sometimes I, I feel sorry for myself in certain situations but Jesus mate you've not had it easy and you know what you've, you've lived to tell a tale and you've yeah. got it feels like you've got control of your life again mm. and you're living life on your terms and that's yeah. something that I'm trying to do I'm trying to basically go after success but do it on my terms yeah. and, and I feel like you've really mastered that now I'm, I'm trying I'm trying every day Listen, life's not easy. It never is for anyone. Um, we've all got our own battles, our own demons that we've got to fight in day in, day out. And I'm still fighting demons and voices and, and I will continue to do so. But I just try and make one step in the right direction all the time. Some days are down, some days are high. Um, but you've just got to, got to roll well, right through the storm, haven't you? Today has certainly been a high day for me, Yeah, mate. it's been great. Thank you so Enjoyed much, it. man, for joining me, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. No, thank you for having me. Legend, man. Nice, son. What a guy. Thank what you. a guy. Wow, I knew this episode was going to be an emotional one, but I literally had to um, take a moment then because sometimes I feel like I've had it tough in some elements of my life, but when you sit down with someone like Charlie, you just really do get a new perspective, um, especially with what happened to his mum and how he's had to deal with that. And he's still just sat here now with incredible self-belief and passion, and, and I'm just inspired. And I, I truly do believe that he's going to go on to, to achieve great things again. And he's going to do it from a place of passion and love as well. So I really respect that. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you for always supporting me. It means so much. And don't forget to check out the British Triathlon link in the episode notes and check out the discount code. I'd love for you to come on this journey with me. But just a massive thank you for always supporting. Don't forget to follow and subscribe on all my platforms. And I will see you back next week. Trust me, with another big name, incredible guest. See you next week for another life lesson with Learning As I Go. This podcast was produced by Purposeful Podcasts.